Okay, three lessons left. We have uh, talked uh, in an introductory way, you know, as you settle your uh, seats and in your minds, I kind of say the same thing every time. Let's give you a chance to uh, have your mind wake up. The things in the book of James uh, cover three different uh, themes, three different characteristics that we always need to keep in mind in each of these classes. The first is that it is a very strong exhortation book. There's no kind of fluid story that's being told like we saw in the book of Galatians where he's attacking a problem and then trying applications to that problem. Uh, it is a you do this, you don't do this uh, kind of encouragement to Jewish Christians who had been scattered uh, from the earliest parts of the New Testament uh, church history, had been scattered about and no longer had you know, apostles to talk to uh, on a consistent basis. They didn't have a complete Bible that we have. So there's instructions that they need to have when they go about daily life. We're going to talk about three of them uh, today. Uh, the structure of it is a little loose. Uh, like I said, it doesn't flow through as a story. It's uh, connections that are kind of like connections in Proverbs, just connections in, in overall thoughts about how we should be actively faithful to God. But the applications are different. And then uh, today, we're going to see a couple of examples of the third uh, illustrations, uh, things like to, to help us to tell a story uh, as pictures in our own minds. We've talked about trials and stressful situations. We've talked about worldliness. We've talked about wisdom. And today, we're going to talk about uh, how we have relationships with other people. Uh, and in three different ways, how we uh, speak to people, how we uh, uh, judge or show partiality or not to show partiality to amongst people, and then how we uh, judge people, how we critique people, okay? So we will start with uh, James chapter 1. So we're gonna, I'm going to read, instead of reading all three sections together, I'm going to read just the, uh, the first section, and we're going to talk about it as a standalone James chapter 1 and verse 19 is where we're going to begin. All right, so let's all start and uh, open our Bibles to James chapter 1. And we'll begin in verse 19. Um, and it reads this way. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness... And all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Um, again, a very to me a very proverbish uh, um, kind of section here. Uh, there is a brief statement at the beginning of verse 19, so we have to, by necessity, kind of tie back to something he said earlier. The section before that is talking about temptation about uh, stressful situations that aren't from um, God. God is not the one who is tempting people and carrying them away in their lust. We're the ones that do that. But in a, in a time that is a, a, a trial or a, a stressful situation, um, we may have um, adversity, and we are to overcome that. Even in those moments, though, uh, where we may be... Um, in a trial, we may be in a temptation, we may be in, in, in a struggle of some sort, we may 
burst out uh, in the way that we in the way that we speak. Um, we may talk in a way that we shouldn't. So let's talk about first how we talk uh, amongst each other. As is uh, my custom, I've got a few things to uh, to talk through. Most of them are summarized on the board, and then uh, between uh, Jonathan and myself, we've got microphones. So if you have uh, got something you want to say, uh, please uh, please bring it up. Uh, there's a couple of ways that we've we've characterized these kinds of passages around being quick to hear and slow to speak. Um, you know, we've all heard the expression: you have two ears and you have one mouth, so you should be uh, speaking half uh, as much as you are as you are listening. Let's talk about each of them kind of one by one. Running towards listening, being quick to listen. Um, uh, and there's going to be a contrast at the, at the end um, about slow to speak. When it comes to being quick at something, one of the things that James is saying is be quick to hear. Hurry up and listen. Be very attentive to it and be ready to listen uh, quickly. Um, oftentimes, we are very quick uh, to speak, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But think about what it means to be quick to speak and turn that into being quick uh, to listen. A good listener uh, is, is listening to two uh, or, or three different things um, that, I've, that I've got up there. First, being quick to listen to God's word being quick to, to listen to the things that God has said, um, to really grow spiritually, to grow in maturity, means to be able to get rid of an apathetic uh, view of uh, Bible class, of a sermon, of any time that anybody wants to talk about the Word of God or talk to us about the Word of God, whether they start out with a topic that we've heard before, or they start out by calling us adulteresses and fools. I'm waiting for one of you to, to start out a sermon by saying, you adulteresses or you fools. Whatever the case, um, however a, a, a discussion about the Bible starts, whether it's between me and Shane or it's with, with uh, Leland and all of us, it is something we should be quick to do, quick to listen to. Secondly, we are to be quick to listening to our, our Christian brothers and sisters, uh, listening, for, listening for understanding. Um, oftentimes, we listen to respond, not listening to understand. And I know for, for, for uh, those who have, um, I feel this way, and some of you can relate to this, ever since uh, COVID, when the video conference or the audio conference became more and more part of our lives. Um, I'm sure you've experienced the same situation uh, that I have. Every, every, every tool, every application of that, like Zoom, Teams, WebEx, whatever, they all have this, this kind of micro latency in it and just because of the technology. But what it induces is a, is a need to not wait for the person to finish the last sentence because I have something to say. And we know if we let this lag um, just develop, there's going to be that pause and we can't, we cannot have that. So I have to, it's almost like a blended thing. As Shane ends what he's saying, I have to jump right in and, and say 
of something else. And the only way, the only way that I can be prepared to respond that quickly is if I'm listening to respond and not listening to understand. Um, I feel it on a, on a daily basis. Um, uh, sometimes at work and it is, I don't know, I'm, it's pushing a button for me. So I'm, uh, I'm uh, putting it out there for y'all as well. If, you're, if we're listening that way, we are not being quick to listen. We are being very quick to respond, but we are not being quick uh, to listen. And I'm making an example of a audio conference, but I feel like if we were to think back on our own lives, even in our recent past, there could be times when we're face-to-face with one another and have experienced something similar. You can see it in people's eyes, I think, when they're listening to respond and not listening to understand. Um, that is not being quick to listen. Last one, and then if anybody dares to, uh, to speak, uh, you can, uh, after this, um, I'll, I'll solicit your, your comments. There's also, I'm obviously listening to all people. Uh, being, being willing to listen with an understanding, intentional uh, mindset. We need to listen to what people are saying. Um, also, the opposite of that, being slow to speak. Being slow to speak. Um, it doesn't mean never speak. Well, there we have often we have a lot to say, and there's lots of things that we should say. Um, but take a breath before saying them. God wants us to uh, to speak in such a way that is wise, asking questions. Um, many believers. Um, and in particular, we should be very slow. They're slow to speak, and they're very slow to speak when we're speaking for God. And what I mean by that is when we're speaking to someone, whether it's somebody in this building, whether it's someone out in the world. Give me just a second, Jeremy. Uh, to, uh, if we're going to be slow to speak about anything, we should be very slow to speak when we're representing God. When we're talking about what the, God, what the Bible says, what it doesn't say. That is a time to be extra careful about uh, being slow to speak, and especially for when we're, when we're teaching, whether it be up here. Um, those who teach in here or teach my kids in the back, I appeal to you, be slow to speak. Um, we'll talk about it uh, in, in James chapter 3. There is a certain level of expectation of someone who is, who is speaking on behalf of God in a teaching kind of way. Um, and if we're one-on-one, one of the things that, that could mean is not speaking on a topic. Um, we used to worship uh, with Bob and Sarah Bain Bunting. And I'll never forget, I think it was in, and I was in high school, and Bob made a point in a class, and he said, if you don't know something, you're in the discussion with somebody, if you don't know the answer or how you feel about a certain subject amongst the Word of God, it is okay to say, I don't know. Um, um, because you may not. Um, and in that way, slow to speak may say, I don't want to speak about that right now. I'm going to speak about that maybe next time. Can we talk about it another time? Um, real quick, turn to, um, and then I'll get to you right after this, uh, Jeremy. Ephesians chapter uh, 4. I, I feel like this is, this is important because it, if you listen to the way that James talks and the language that he says, I see some, some sort of like, 
some thematic ways that the apostles and, and early Christian teachers taught. They taught in a similar way, um, whether they listened to each other, they're kind of copying off of each other's sermons or copying off of how each other taught. Um, I think this is a very parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need for the moment. So that it will be grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all ma- along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as Christ and God has also forgiven you. Uh, if you look back at verse 21 of James chapter 1, it's very similar. Putting, all, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted which can save your souls. Uh, and I skipped over uh, briefly verse, verse uh, 20. Let me go back to it just for a second. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When we speak... If we are angry, as, as the anger level increases, the wisdom, the righteousness of God decreases. You want to be wise, you want to be righteous, you want to elevate that part of your life, the anger part of how we speak has to, has to fall. So, in summary, quick to hear in God's word, and when talking to others, slow to speak, whether it be teaching or, or, or speaking uh, in, an, in a unwholesome way uh, with others. All right. Jeremy, go ahead. When we talk about how we interact with other people, when we speak with other people, one thing that comes to my mind is a lot of things circle back to our own humility. And so when we're listening to someone, I like how you said uh, listening to respond. I, I think of it as listening to defend. So many times someone strikes up a conversation a lot of times I think I already know the answer. I already know what's right. And so I'm listening to see if they're right. And if not, then I'm going to help correct them or I'm going to defend my position rather than just listening for the sake of understanding what they're trying to convey to me. And so whether we're speaking to people in the world and we're thinking, you know, we're a representative of of God, we are a representative of God. We need to be yes, but we're not God and we're not always right so we need to have a sense of humility whether it's people of the world brethren our children whomever and 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 if we can start from a place of humility that helps our ability to listen mm-hmm. and and therefore give us more time to to mull over what's being said before we respond yeah i, I think you're exactly right, Jeremy. Even verse 21, they're in this context of, of how we talk to one another. Um, the last phrase of verse 21, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is to save your souls. The way that I'm, I'm speaking to you, the way that you're taught, you need to receive it in a way of humility. Don't argue with what the Bible teaches. Don't uh, uh, be distracted. Don't be angry when you're confronted with something that you disagree with or, or um, uh, make sure that you're convicted in humility. And if you're going about your own personal life with humility, it's much easier to approach somebody even, like you, you made the phrase, you mentioned the phrase, 
uh, about you already know what is right. There may be even a situation where you are right. Um, listening to understand, because we've got to understand where that person is coming from. If we know that they're wrong in a certain way, if we cut them off and say, let me stop you right there, Jeremy, don't go any further. We may miss some of the context that explains maybe why they are uh, wrong. They've been taught wrong or they've not been taught at all in making some assumptions, uh, et cetera. Appreciate the comment, Jeremy. Anybody else on this uh, section? Jonathan? I just wanted to say that um, we sing a song and it says angry words are lightly spoken. And that's so true because it break, angry words have broken friendships. They have run people out of churches. They have um, destroyed people's lives. So you really got to be careful with your words. It's not just bad language that destroys. It's, it's harshness that sure. destroys too. Oh, well said. Yeah, well said. It is not that we should be absent of anger necessarily. We know that Jesus was angry on a very, very uh, brief, um, brief occasions. But uh, if we are, if we are speaking in a sense of anger, my, we should be, we should be cautious there. Yes, John. Thinking about verse twenty, it says the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Reminded me of Luke chapter 9 about verse 54 Jesus and his apostles passing through Samaria and basically the Samaritan says you Jews get out of here we don't want you in our neighborhood <laughs> and James and John said Lord you just say the word we'll call down fire from heaven we'll take care of these guys and Jesus said no you don't know what spirit you're of there I came to save not to destroy mm -hmm. remember Acts chapter 8 Philip is in Samaria preaching, and a lot of Samaritans obeyed the gospel. Now, what if he had destroyed? I don't know if it was the same ones or not, but it could have been. So what we need to do is train ourselves to see others as a soul that needs Jesus, a soul that needs the gospel, even when they don't treat you very well. Right. Well said. I don't know if you're purposely segueing to James chapter 2, but you're doing an excellent, uh, an excellent job of it. Um, Tell you what, let's, let's go that direction. Let's talk about um, how, we see, how we see other people and uh, the idea of prejudice. First 13 verses of James chapter 2. My brethren, do not hold up your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the, more pe uh, the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point has been guilty of all. 
For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged by the law of liberty. For the judge will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The word uh, partiality, there's your uh, Greek word for the day. I like that one of the Greek uh, lexicon definitions had respect for the outward circumstances. I really liked uh, that, that definition. If you are, have a sense of partiality, you have higher respect for what you can see. James is talking about a real problem, and there's a really, really strong illustration or metaphor here uh, that we all have to get in our own heads. There is a, uh, an assembly, whether it is like the assembly uh, or um, at the synagogue. Uh, I mean, I know some, some versions say the word synagogue. Synagogue could just could, could be a synonym for the word assembling, like the gathering of ourselves together. It could be a, a physical synagogue, and I'm sure they, they went there from time to time. Whatever the case, you've got two people who have come in and judgments that have been made about them. Prejudice and partiality were, were quite normal uh, in, the, in this in this world, we think about uh, some of the themes that we talked about in the book of Galatians about Jews. You know, Jews would wake up uh, oftentimes and pray, dear God, I am thankful that I am not a female, I am not a child, I am not a Gentile, right? Because I am a son of Abraham. Um, you could extend that to all sorts of uh, different classes of people, uh, those who were X, who were thankful they were not Y, uh, et cetera. Um, people didn't associate uh, with different classes of people. The, the poor were shunned. Marriages were very rarely outside of your own uh, class of people. And what James is saying is if you're going to be an active Christian and have active faith, favoritism is not compatible with that Christian faith. You cannot show favorites amongst people. Why not? Well, there's uh, three, three reasons, I think. Um, the first one, the first three that I see, you may see um, different ones here. Um, the first one is in verses 5 and 6. I want to read these again um, and then turn over to Luke 14 because I, I really I think this is uh, James... Speaking a phrase, speaking a couple of sentences that have his brother's teaching uh, in mind. Listen to my brother, excuse me, verse 5, James 2. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you to court? If you could put a bookmark there and turn over real briefly to uh, Luke chapter 14. Um, what, I, what, I'm, what I tell myself, and I don't know, I can't really prove this, but um, uh, this is how I, this is how I, uh, I think through this in, in my mind. James is recalling some of the teachings, some of the interactions that he personally saw from Jesus uh, or heard about. And one of the stories of Jesus is in James uh, chapter 14. 
uh, excuse me, in, uh, in Luke chapter 14, excuse me. I'm going to summarize uh, briefly for, for the sake of time. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Let's look at the context first. Uh, James 14, verse 1, And it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. And there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. So a trap is set up for the Pharisees who said they would not work on the Sabbath. They did pretty, work, pretty well to work hard to set a trap. Uh, on, uh, on this Sabbath day. So they've set in front of Jesus a man who needs help. Jesus helps him, and they say, ha-ha, we've got you. And Jesus says, wait a second. Is it not right to help uh, on the Sabbath? Uh, and then he goes into a, a parable that I believe ties to what James uh, chapter 2 is talking about. Verse 7, he began to speak a parable to the invited guests, which he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you have invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. He and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man, and then disgrace and proceed to to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place. Verse um, 13, but when you have a reception, when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There's two ways that you can see a sense of partiality. You can see yourself in a way of partiality immediately walk into a place of a group gathering and find the place that you think you belong, a place of prominence. And Jesus is saying, look, don't, kind of like back to Jeremy's point of humility, don't put yourself into that proud kind of trap. And when you approach other people, make sure you're not choosing people to invite in a means of partiality. Look to those, don't look to just those who are wealthy, those who are rich. Look to those who can do nothing for you. Profiling people, simple enough, um, is not new and should, be, and should be rejected because Jesus rejected it. Secondly, you know, why, do not, why should we not show favoritism? Because it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense. And this is what I mean. If you look at the back half of verse 6 and uh, verse 7, Uh, James chapter 2, is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? You are showing favoritism to to the rich, to the powerful. Think about what you're doing for a second. How did these people get rich and powerful? Um, In some cases, James is claiming, it is on your back, your persecuted back, um, is how these people got their got their place. They're able to drag you into court. And what's the benefit of dragging somebody lesser into court? It's because you can tell the judge that you need to be fair to the one who pays you to be fair. Um, And thus, that is how the rich can help to be persecuted. We know through the book of Acts, through the book of Hebrews, there there was certainly persecution. The rich were dragging them to court. Um, and and, uh, James is saying it doesn't make sense to show favoritism to the people who take advantage of you Um, because they take advantage of you and everyone else 
and you're rewarding them for it. I was reading uh, a couple of people's uh, lessons on this topic, and uh, I really liked this phrase. Um, Rather than saying, bite the hand uh, that feeds them, they were saying, feed the hand that bites them. Uh, That's what was happening to some of these people. Um, You're being mistreated. um, And I'm not saying that everyone who is better off than us, I'm not saying everyone who is wealthier, more powerful, of more influence than us, got there um, on on our backs um, or because of our persecution, et cetera. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is in this, in this environment where these people are, are uh, living, it was the case in a, in a lot of ways. Be mindful of who you're showing personal favoritism to. They may or may not have gotten their gold rings, their fine clothes um, through means that are uh, honorable. Uh, and, in, and in certain cases, they may be coming into your to your assembly in a high position in order to drag you off to court or to persecute you. So be careful of that. Second, and, and lastly, it is, not, it is against God's, God's royal law. A uh, couple, of, couple of real quick things. This word royal, the, the phrase royal law is pretty rarely, if ever, mentioned outside of, outside of here. Um, I've, I feel like it means the the law of the authority, the law of the king, and in our case, this is King Jesus, the Messiah, the things that Jesus, the things that Jesus taught. So if that's the case, um, why, does, um, why does the attachments to it um, attach to the, to the Old Testament law? I think this is a, a brief moment where we can talk about the relationship between how Jesus taught and how the Old Testament uh, was written. We, we see you know, easy examples in uh, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. I've come to take you to the next ultimate and final step of what the Old Testament law is about. Um, you've heard, and this is why it is the royal law, the, the law of, of, of ultimate authority. Uh, because uh, in this case, the one is you shall love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Uh, and then you also should recognize that the sin of partiality, oh, excuse me, is one that is a breaking of the law. It is might as well be as, um, as large of a transgression as adultery, as murder, because it, it does not fulfill the peace of the law that said that from Jesus himself, when he says you shall love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Loving our neighbor as ourselves in this context could be a couple of things. Obviously, in the way of partiality, not treating people differently because the money that they have or the money that we perceive that they have for the job that we know that they have because of the color of their skin, because of the way that they speak, how they treat other people, and then positively, um, it is a, how should we love our neighbors as ourselves? Is we should be willing to help regardless of how people look, sound, and interact with us. Helping emotionally, uh, spiritually, uh, financially, without partiality. Again, back to Luke chapter 14. Helpful to those who cannot repay you. 
ever. Back in those days, the poor, the blind, the deaf, there was no way a blind man was going to be able to repay a debt to a man who offered him food or offered him money. Give that person food or give that person uh, money. Last comment here, then I'll open up to questions. Verse 12 and 13, what is the end of those who show partiality? Really sobering um, section here. For the judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Kind of back to, if you think back to Jeremy's comment on humility. Uh, If we do not approach life with humility, regardless of what we could think, I am a Christian, I am a member of God's kingdom, I'm going to heaven when I die, Uh, I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters in my life that love me, It is very easy to not have a humble state of mind. If you are merciless, you will be shown no mercy. Um, Everyone will be judged. If we judge by the respect of the things that we can see, we should be very careful of that because we will be shown uh, no mercy um, in that regard. Pretty sobering... uh, and then there's lots of ways that we can apply this. I'm hoping you can apply it in your own, in your own way. But I think I'd say one more thing for 30 seconds and then open up to, to comments. Um, I feel like I find myself sometimes, and maybe you do this too, um, doing this unconsciously. Um, and it's something that don't see done until after I've done it. Um, we are very... Um, um, hesitant, rightly so, in this country to have an outward sense of prejudice because of the wretched and horrible um, past that our country has had. So we're very, we're very uh, hesitant to outwardly, you know, publicly do it. But man, we can, we can do it privately um, if, we're not, if we're not careful, if we're not, um, if we're not mindful, especially out in the, out in the business world. Um, I could be conscious of a customer of an employee, of a supervisor, and give them special attention, give them special recognition because of what they could potentially do for me. Kind of the opposite of what he's saying, not necessarily run you down, but they could promote me. They could give me an advantage. Um, so there is, a, there is a, a capital reason to give them a, a sense of partiality. Be careful of that. Be careful of that. Um, because that um, could be seen as merciless. And if we are merciless, we will be shown no mercy. Jonathan's got a mic. I've got a mic. Any comments on uh, prejudice? Yes, Bruce. Verse 13 is a very chilling commentary. And, and I think back to... Uh, Jesus' parable of the unjust servant back in Matthew 18, where here was a guy that had lost the king's money to the amount of about $5 million. He's forgiven of the whole thing when he should have either been beheaded or everything sold to get back what the king could. But he was forgiven, and his his uh, act or his emotion, rather than being joyful... And, and rejoicing, went out and grabbed someone who owed him $5,000 mm-hmm. and got him by the neck 
and said, I want my money now. Mm-hmm. How would we like to stand in judgment and have all the things that we've asked God to forgive us for be brought back before us? Mm-hmm. I don't think we would. Jesus said, when you ask for forgiveness, you should be forgiving yourself. Otherwise, your sins won't be forgiven you. James in this chapter is talking about, and and in chapter 1, thinking before we speak Mm -hmm. and thinking before we act. And sometimes that's hard for us to do. We're reactionary. Mm -hmm. But to not have mercy in God's judgment is just an overwhelming flood of fear to think that would happen and it can it can think of how many times we've gone to God and asked him to forgive us of the same thing or the same things and yet someone who offends us in a much lesser manner uh, we hold a grudge we don't speak to him anymore we yep. put him away how does God look at that? Yeah, there are certain certain topics that you know, throughout the Bible story, thank you, Bruce, um, that God really harps on. I think this is one of them. And even in the times of, of the Old Testament, one of the things that God comes down hard, he could have come down hard on a lot of things that the Israelites did, but one of the things he consistently comes down hard on is how they treated those who are the least among them, uh, which is, um, hey, Jonathan, uh, which is... Uh, uh, yeah, you're right, Bruce. Good summary. A sobering, a sobering thought. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to say there was a a, a situation where um, Jesus went and ate with um, tax collectors and sinners. And the Sadducees and Pharisees saw him sitting at the table, and they said, Mm -hmm. why do you eat with these, well, these people, basically? And he Mm -hmm. says, I did not come to uh, fix fix those who are well. I came to fix those who are sick. Yeah, right. Looking at life um, as if it was just simply transactional. I get something, I get something. I give and I get. It's the wrong way to look at it. Wrong way to look at life. This is a relation thing, relationship thing, not a, um, not just a transaction. All right. I briefly touched on this uh, last week. Maybe if I just touch on it briefly uh, this time too, that will be uh, sufficient. Uh, the last thing, um, I feel like this goes well with this section, um, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are a doer of the law, but not a judge of it. There was one, only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? A couple of different words, um, speaking against one another, you know, to defame, to slander, um, is something that is taught against um, and, and just, again, just briefly, because the Bible talks about the idea of judgment, 
in two different in two different ways. There are passages that criticize the act of judging other people, including including this one. And in Matthew chapter seven in the Sermon on the Mount, um, good Bible students recognize uh, this one where Jesus is is describing an act of judgment that is hypercritical, that is bearing upon someone a standard in which you're not bearing upon yourself and not looking at your own life um, before or during the act of, of judging, uh, judging someone else's uh, dirty house without having uh, looked at your own dirty house. And then in, in Romans uh, chapter 14, there is a there is a judgment of, of some of the, maybe some of the Jewish Christians on the Gentiles for not recognizing uh, their stance under the law, which they're not, which they are not under the law. You know, who are you to decide about how the Gentiles spend their Sabbath day was uh, kind of Galatians, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 14's uh, kind of overall uh, point in my mind. Uh, be careful about judging about things that don't apply anymore. But at the same time, there are judgments that are should be done where we have a positive responsibility. For the sake of time, I won't cover uh, all of them. Just harken your mind back to a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about in Galatians chapter 6 to recognize a sin, recognize a transgression, and to, and to restore somebody in it. So again, the idea of rela- one of our relationships to each other in relationship to the world is there are points where we may have to, what we call, judge. And in James chapter 4, one of the things that that, uh, James is is saying is make sure your judgments are not speaking against one another, meaning in a very negative slanted way, a defamation kind of way, a slander kind of way. when you judge a brother in this mindset, you are judging the law uh, as well, which again, very, be very cautious uh, of that. So I feel like it was good to kind of tie those themes together that yes, uh, there is a way that we can critically judge, but at the same time, there is a discernment of right and wrong that we have to have uh, with humility. Uh, going back to uh, Jeremy's comment, um, and, and the example is in, in Galatians chapter six. Um, really covered that briefly. And I didn't leave any time for anybody to uh, say anything. We're going to uh, talk about um, kind of the, uh, to me, what I feel like is a, is a summary of the overall message of James next week in our active faith and uh, how faith and works are tied together uh, at the back half of James chapter 2. So that's where we'll start uh, next Sunday morning. Thank you for your participation.